David, how are you feeling? I'm not doing too bad. I'm uh, getting over COVID. And uh, mentally, I'm not doing too bad either, despite all the things that have happened in the past week. <laughs> okay. uh, so uh, late last, well, I finished the piano project. The piano came out so good. And the owner of the piano was supposed to come over last week and film the ending. Like, we're going to shoot his reaction, and then he's going to play out the rest of the video. Well, Kelly got the COVID, and so that stopped that. Can't have anybody over. I was doing fine. I was testing every day, get tested negative. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to get it. I'm going to be totally fine. We still stayed away from each other and everything, and then turns out, uh, I got it Saturday. Saturday is also the day we had a pipe burst in our crawl space. Uh, Kelly woke me up and said, I hear rushing water underneath the kitchen floor. And we open up the crawl space door and there's a foot of standing water under our house. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I was... I was really calm, but in my head, I was totally freaking out. I'm like, the house is ruined. Like, how is the house not ruined? Mm. Um, so we call the call like one of those disaster cleanup crews, and they came out like within an hour, and they were pumping out all the water. And uh, they said, uh, this was Saturday. They said by Monday it should be dr- it's draining in there. Your your sand floor, whatever he called it. It's like, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, you know, so no worries. And, uh, you should be able to have a plumber come out on Monday to fix whatever happened. And so we had a plumber come out on Monday and, uh, turns out that there was an old dishwasher line that was terminated by a hose and some hose clamps. And, uh, it was like somebody just hacked this, this termination system and that hose gave out after so many years and caused all this damage. So yeah, dealing, dealing with all of that at the same time, it's been fun. And I got poison Ivy all up and down my arm. that just won't go away. <laughs> Did you get poison Ivy from going in the crawl space? Uh-huh. No, uh, I, I, I got poison Ivy from them cutting down the trees and they're like, Hey, look, you have a bunch of poison Ivy back here. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I see that. And then like the next <laughs> cool. day I got poison. You stuck your arm in it and just <laughs> yeah. like wiggled it around. <laughs> oh man. So, um, yeah. Good morning, guys. Oh. Yeah. We had to stay wow. in it. We didn't have running water for a couple of days and we had to stay at an Airbnb. And, um, it's just when you're, when you're sick, you, you don't want to deal with stuff. And, uh, I guess when you're not sick, you don't want to deal with stuff as well, but it's been uh, quite a challenging weekend. Yeah. Sounds like it. Let's mm. pull out the camera and start vlogging. <laughs> well, it's funny thing. I might as well just talk about what I'm working on. So the piano is done. I just have to wait till we're all clear to have Clay come in and and um, film his reaction and, and play out the video. And then I still have one more video for Squarespace to do for this month. And I'm sure if I would have called and said I've got COVID, they would delay it. But I never missed a deadline, and I'm super proud of that. So uh, I filmed a a talking head video of I just like my 10 favorite YouTube channels. And that should be out the same day that this podcast comes out. And yeah, I think that came out pretty good. So that's what I'm working on. My 10 favorite YouTube channels. Is it like the old days? Is it like weekly wrap up? Well, I'm not drinking a beer because I'm sick in the video. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, duels. Yeah. Oh, duels. Um, uh, Much lower energy than than those old weekly wrap-up days but uh but similar yeah yeah there, there might be some similar vibes cool yeah. well i was complaining last week about my client uh thinking he was going to have that cup in a couple days he got it he got it <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> how'd that happen uh well it, it, i guess with the you know I, I we talked about you ship the local shipping agent here who handles all my stuff he found a, a guy who's not too far we exchange numbers he seems like a pretty reliable guy to have on my side this guy named oleg showed up with a step van a mercedes step van and we put it in there and 20 hours later it was in miami and that cost three thousand dollars which is just a little bit less than what i'm charging him for the cup 
I charged five thousand for the cup and paid three thousand for the delivery. But is he paying there. the delivery or are you paying? No, the he delivery? did. No, he did. Oh, I was going to say <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. Like I said, he, they gave me a kind of a group. I gave him a group discount. I'm building four things for him. Three of the cups. The next two will be a little bit smaller because now that he has them in his possession, he realizes they should definitely be shorter. <laughs> and he sent me cups from Amazon that he wants me to emulate. So it will be exactly like those cups will put into a sizing machine. So they'll be the same. And I'm working on that. So that's, that's good. That's out the door and done. Everything's settled. And there's always that anxiety of waiting for the client to actually get their eyes on it. So the next mm-hmm. few messages I got within 20 hours, I was like, here we go. But they were all very positive. So that was a nice, pleasant surprise, you know. What if it all goes well? And it did. What if it all goes well? Yeah. And it's, I, was with, I was with Derek, and I, I got a text message from the client, and I go, here we go. He goes, what do you say? I go, it fell over. It didn't make it. It scratched. He goes, he said all those things. I go, no, that's just me preparing to read the message. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was very positive. He's like, I love it. Yeah. And uh, what else have I been working on? So I got a couple of things going on. I, I owe Weaver Leather a video, so... What I'm doing, just because I can't figure out any other way to do it, I want to make one of those Klein gate mouth bags. You know, like those Klein, you know, Klein electrical tools. It's like the bag that's kind of has a big oh, yeah. trap yeah. mouth. So I bought one of those and I'm going to dismantle it and just use all the patterns and just make it in leather. When I don't know any better, I just kind of stick to the rules. So when I do that, maybe I'll be able to break the rules mm. after I make the first one. So I'm going to work on that this week. And I'm also working on an interesting thing, stupid concept, completely unnecessary, but I wanted to see if I could do it. And, you know, we always say you want to learn how to do something, just figure out a project and then work around that project, even if it's practical or non. And I, Rob came by the other day, Rob works at a sawmill, Rob Rojas works at a sawmill when he's not here, and he brought an old blade from the sawmill, but it's about 18 inches, it's not a giant one. This, this, this multi, it's like a, a saw that has like set 10 blades and they're all separated at certain width. So for like, that's where I got my, my porch boards for my deck. So they'll throw it through. So they'll be like, so the blades need to be changed often. So I said, wouldn't it be interesting if you take the saw blade and cut a donut out of the middle of it, cut the donut open. So now it's a loop with a slot in it and then straighten that loop out to make a machete. And like I said, it's completely impractical. Mm. It's completely unnecessary. I could just go get stock and make it big. But that's what I'm doing. So I plasma cut a donut that has a six-inch hole and a 12-inch exterior. So it's three-inch stock, but in a big donut. So last night, I fired up the the forge that I made. Call it a brake drum forge that I made in the video where I made the big bellows. Because it's the only type of forge that would be able to heat up the inside of that ring. So I thought that if I smushed the inside of the ring, it would get wider and then therefore start to open up the, the donut. And the donut is open pretty good now. I mean, that beginning in that process worked, but then once I got it open enough to stick into the regular forge, which is a little bit more consistent, and I also don't have to pump it the entire time. I'm pumping that old bellows. My buddy Ryan helped me. So between me and Ryan, we didn't stop moving for about an hour. And... It was a fun job. It was really fun just to try and figure it out. And I'm still in the middle of that. So this week I might be making a knife video made from a saw blade. But the, the, saw, the, the knife or the machete is going to be like 30 inches long, but from a, like an 18-inch saw blade. So everyone's going to be like, oh, how did you do that? It's going to be my face on the, on the thumbnail. Like, <gasps> Shock face. Yeah. I just want to say I appreciate your way of describing things like you nailed it when you said you know you cut a donut you split open that donut and then you pulled it straight like it would have took me four paragraphs to explain that (laughs) i think that comes from my old toy business days having to write out i used to have to write out faxes and describe and drawings and stuff and so i'd have to make it perfectly clear for the factories in china and i'm when my business partner would would come back to me be like he go uh you read the faxes today so it's funny like nowadays it's like you get that email it's like my business partner would be like do you get the faxes today oh you got to read the faxes and i go up and there'd be a big pile of paper in front of the fax machine all drawings and technical questions and stuff because they would send them to me they, they would send them to me and wayne at the same time this is in the 90s it's crazy 
I refer to my meal, emails as the hot sheets sometimes from yeah. Men in Black. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was that's a challenge. So like I said, I'm even going to probably do a little talk up in the beginning of the video. Like this is completely unnecessary and completely impractical. So don't roast me. Mm. But this is this was a, a blacksmith anyway. challenge. It was a blacksmith challenge. It's yeah. And the interesting thing is, as I'm doing it, I'm the whole time I'm trying not to rip. So as I'm trying to open up this big flat donut, I'm trying not to rip what is getting stretched, and I'm trying to compress what's coming together. So the back of the the knife, which would be the outside of the ring, is getting more and more dense and thicker as I'm stretching the metal and pulling it together. And the inside's getting thin, but not so thin that it's ripping yet. I got to be careful. So I'm going to make sure each heat is really a good, deep quality heat, and then I'm able to manipulate the material each time. And it is definitely opening. One thing I learned about blacksmithing is that every little tap, as inconsequential as it might seem, actually does something. And if you do that enough times and you have enough time to stand there and do it, you'll get movement in the right direction. I think that's the thing that I still, just from watching other people, I mean, I've only, you know, done air quotes blacksmithing once, but from watching other people who know what they're doing, the thing that I still just cannot get my head around is how they're getting it, how they're deciding what movements to make to get it to do a thing. Because it doesn't seem, I know it's supposed to be like clay, but it just mm-hmm. doesn't seem like clay. It has. It feels like it looks like it has a different resistance to. If I push here, <laughs> it's going to do these things, right? You know. So it, it, that's just a. I guess it's just a practice and skill, and you know, I've done it enough times that now I understand what it's going to do when I do this kind of. Yeah, and that's me. That's but, that's what's fun about for me. It's discovering because I don't have enough experience doing these things, but I can understand it practically. As a for instance. The reason I had to use the big coal forge is because the big donut did not fit in a regular forge. I couldn't stick it, couldn't get it hot enough. So I was like, all right, this is going to be a real trial and error, see what happens. So we got the saw blade hot enough in the inside. So then once I was able to then start sticking it in the, in the, the forge, I was able to kind of stick. Then it, it turned into looking like a toilet seat. So now it looks like a toilet seat because it opened up a little bit. And it you should have just forged like like, the like, toilet seat. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what Ryan said. He goes, you should just stop now. It looks like a toilet seat. So it, we got the ring opened up. So I was working on both ends where it was cut because it was the easiest part. So I started sticking that in the forge. And then I was like, let me work on this, the back of the toilet seat. So I turned it. And now a toilet seat, like in a public bathroom, you know, the one with like the little pee-pee trough in the middle. So it's like, it's not close. <clears throat> and so I stuck the back of the toilet seat to the forge. And it got super red on the back, but not towards the front because it didn't fit all the way in the forge. So that's when it, it occurred to him, like, okay, if I hit this now, even though the front edge is cold or the inner ring is cold, the back will start to compress. So the the non-red part will basically stay like a string that won't stretch, but the back will compress. So I started doing that. So I'm heating the back up just as it fits in the open mouth of the forge not completely inside. And as I'm heating up the back of the ring, that's getting red and that's starting to compress as you got to see it. Never mind, You got to see it. <laughs> anyway, but you it's, did a, it's such a, a good job explaining it until <laughs> right then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going on too far about this, but it's a real interesting process. And, and you know, the, the bigger picture is that's how you learn. You just got to yeah. jump in and play around. And, and there was a moment there when me and Ryan were trying to heat up the, the initial ring where I was like, this is never going to work. What are you doing? This is never going to work. I got to think of another video that's going to be ready for Friday. Oh, <laughs> that's I, hate I'm that thinking about it. <laughs> I hate that feeling. Because I have an advert to put in it. So I'm just like, oh, boy. <laughs> You're like, I should have played it safe. I should have done something I know how to do. <laughs> I'm going to make another toolbox. <laughs> exactly. Instead, I'm going to make another knife, which I think I know how to get through. But not this way. That's so funny. Cool. So well, Bob, what have you been up to? Well, I made some clamp storage. Mm. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I did a new lumber storage. I was going to insert thing. a joke there. Bob needed an easy video for an advertiser this week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of true, but also I needed to move the clamps. So it was a 
it was a nice easy step. But I did the lumber storage thing a couple weeks ago, which actually took up about the same footprint as my original lumber thing, but holds way more. Like it's pretty fantastic. So on the outside of that was a big face, uh, just a plywood face with nothing on it. So I moved all of my clamps over, built some just kind of traditional clamp storage. But the whole idea of the video is, you know, using scraps to get organized. So I, I used this terrible, I've told you about Aspen wood before, right? About how much I hate it and how terrible. Oh it is. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. That stuff. So I had a whole bunch of it in the burn pile and then I would needed to, <laughs> to store these clamps. And I'm like, well, I guess I can use the Aspen because it was there, you know? And so the idea is like, you can take some scraps and just make something useful out of them and not throw them away. I just pictured a bunch of wood in the burn pile that would like kind of, uh, characterized like humans with like little eyeballs going no 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 yeah yeah, yeah." (laughs) like you walk by and you're like save me for a project don't burn me so i used that to make some client storage and then i had a whole bunch of big pvc like the drainage pvc it's like four inch thin wall stuff and so i made a little cart for storing pvc pipe and dowels out of pvc pipe and so it looks like a little weird little pipe organ on the i don't know it's hard to explain but uh, it turned out to be a, a lot of storage in a little cart that I could roll around. Took advantage of some scraps again. So it was kind of interesting. It was like the first video in as long as I can remember that I didn't spend any money. I used stuff that was in the shop already to make the shop less messy, and it worked. So that was pretty awesome. Um, and the video, like, it didn't, when we were shooting it, it didn't feel like it was going to be that interesting or that, you know, because it was like, how to hang clamps, <laughs> how to how to cut PVC pipe, stuff like that. But we watched the cut of it yesterday, and it's really fast and fun and I think useful. I don't know. It was in- it was nice to be surprised in that direction, you know. Because a lot of times I'll think something is a great idea, and then we watch the video and we're like, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> but uh, this was definitely the other direction, so I thought it was really cool. Before we did a good job of a quick edit, good music, and all that type of stuff. Um, so that's kind of what I've been up to. And then we started working yesterday on the next project, which will be a couple weeks. Um, I didn't want to rush it. So we're, we're going to end up skipping a week and, uh, and, and spending enough time on this thing. Not as much time as I would like, but spending more time on it to try to do it well. But we went to the store yesterday or a couple days ago to get material for this. And I needed five or six sheets of material, three quarter inch material. So we're like looking at the plywood, $89 a sheet, Mm. just crazy. Mm. And then we look across the aisle at the melamine, $43 a sheet, Mm. which is more expensive than it used to be for sure. But the fact that it's half the price of a sheet of just like okay plywood is kind of mind blowing to me. So we were sitting there looking at it going, well, which parts could be, because part of it was going to be painted white anyway. So which parts of this cabinet thing could be melamine? Kind of went through the whole thing in the store and realized that we could get it down to three sheets of melamine, one sheet of plywood, and that saved a ridiculous amount of money. And so mm. the only real drawback of that is that, you know, I have to edge band the the melamine, but then also, you know, you can't really use pocket holes in it. So for basic cabinetry, you have to come up with a slightly different uh, way to do that. And it wasn't a big deal at all, but it was just weird looking at the cost of a project as a whole and thinking all I have to do to save $150 is decide to use that stack instead of this stack over here, (laughs) you know, make a couple of small adjustments because of the material. But it's just weird to me that melamine is like the most affordable piece of material right now. Because nobody Um, wants it. That's why they price it. I mean, maybe it's just made from all the leftovers of all the other pieces. I guess. Is it the white, know. white covered melamine? Yeah. Yeah. And you can get I've used it that like, for a lot of projects. It's actually the M- Menards here has it, uh, in black and it looks pretty slick. Oh, that's so. cool. That would be cool for like countertops and stuff. Yeah. And it, it's like, shop, if you buy tables. if you see an arcade cabinet that's, you know, at the arcade, like a legit one, they're covered in melamine, black melamine. Yeah. And so they have like an edge banding, like a T molding on the outside of them. But, I think I, I forget that I've seen that in use in arcades before and like, you know, table, t- uh, like, uh, 
the tabletops for um, fast food restaurants and stuff like that. Like that's all melamine or formica, basically the same thing. Chipboard. The only them. problem with melamine is that it's like picking up a square sheet of concrete. That's the biggest. Oh problem. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, that's not the only problem. It's also incredibly sharp. That yeah. stuff is will just cut your finger like crazy. We we were talking about it while we were loading these sheets. Just like, oh, I wish I had some gloves. It would be smart. You should wear gloves when you're handling this stuff because it is so sharp. And we went to put a piece on the trailer, and Josh was leaning around the edge of the trailer, and uh, you know his corner slipped, which made the Legs whole thing fall because it's <laughs> no, cause the sheet weighs like eighty thousand pounds. So he dropped half of it, and then that made me drop my half of it, and it sliced open the end of my finger just from it like leaving my hand. It wasn't even you know. So that stuff is pretty gnarly, but. Anyway, uh, so we're using melamine for this next project. Oh, another thing about that. I was talking about black. I didn't realize until a couple of weeks ago that you can get melamine in different thicknesses. I had always only seen it in white three-quarter inch. Yeah. But the Menards here has half inch and quarter inch. And quarter inch melamine is pretty cool because it has a little bit of flex to it, but it has that kind of waterproof surface. It's not nearly as heavy. So if you just need the surface, the you know, it's it's just as stable as far as like being bent. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't deform. Um, but it's way lighter and cheaper and all that stuff. So anyway, it was a, a new thing to me. But so anyway, we're building this uh, other cabinet thing, which I think is actually going to be really cool. I don't want to give it away yet, but uh, we're working on that for the office for the next couple weeks. And we're also brainstorming how to do live on YouTube. And we've been discussing that here as well. Yeah. We, um, yeah. I just got this little loop deck switch. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to hijack your thing. No, but I go just for got it. this little loop deck switcher. So we could switch between cameras and just do projects live. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, we've got a, a little black magic switcher that we use for our podcast studio. Cause we have multiple uh-huh. cameras in there. And it's probably the same type of thing. And it's great. Uh, we looked at maybe getting one of those to have in the shop, but it's just we're trying to figure out how to how to test the live thing without investing more, you know, buying more gear just to see if I don't know if it's something we'll keep up with. But it got me thinking about <clears throat> if we're going to skip a week because we want to put more time into a project. Like, why not try the live thing so that we can either work on that project live and answer questions or use it as a way to engage with the audience, you know, and do something for them, show them something that's maybe not a full project, but just not completely disappear for a week. And so I think that's what we're going to try to do. So if anybody has any ideas for what might be an interesting thing to see in a week like that, that wouldn't require a lot of extra preparation. Because one of the problems with Twitch, when I used to do weekly Twitch streams, was that it felt like I needed to come up with a, a new thing to do a new piece of content new project just for the twitch stream and then it ended up being like double work because i had to come up with the idea and it had to be something i could work on while i was having a conversation with the people who were you know in the chat and all that type of stuff which is not a very productive thing from working but it's a good community building thing it's a great way to get to know people and we met a lot of awesome people through that so I'm trying to figure out now how to do the live thing without having it create a whole nother set of, you know, things to figure out. Cause I don't really want to do that. I'd like for it to supplement when we need to put more time into a project. So we're thinking about trying that. Um, we may try it next week since we're going to be skipping and give it a shot and see how it goes. And so keep an eye out for that. How long would the live be? I don't know. I think an hour or two, probably. It would maybe depend on what I was trying to accomplish. And I think we're going to try to gather some questions ahead of time so we could kind of work for a little while and then take a break and answer some questions and then go back and work. And But I feel like an hour or two in the middle of the day might be something somebody could put on, you know, at their desk or whatever, just put on uh, in the background. We're also trying to f- figure out another idea for the, that space was to take a piece of a larger project. Like if we're going to skip a week because we have a bigger project, take just a piece of that project and almost make like a bits video, like a a centralized 
dedicated video that happens to be live about a piece of it. That way, in the big video, we can ignore that little one piece of exposition and just be like, hey, if you really care about how to do this thing, we've got a live that we did a couple weeks ago. It's over here. Get your details there. You know what I mean? So like breaking out part of the bigger project into a little little chunk and handling that on the live. Because, so, you know, in the course of an hour or two hour live thing, you can go pretty deep explanation on a bigger process or, you know, you can experiment with stuff and, and get the idea across without having to edit it down for the pace of a normal video. So I'm trying to figure that stuff out, which is kind of exciting. It's something new. We haven't done in a long time. Um, let's see what else is going on. I think that's about it. That's what I've been into. Other than other than just like family stuff. Like we, I think I mentioned last week, soccer is kicking up. So we have soccer's kicking up. That's funny. I actually, I do like soccer now. I've started really enjoying it. Um, but my kids are, I have three kids on four soccer teams. <laughs> so figure that math out. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, but, that's uh, it's still computing. Yeah. Um, so it's you just have, about you to, have four kids though. I have four kids. I, I have one kid who's doing marching band, <laughs> and then the other three kids are on four soccer teams. So uh, it's just it's becoming you know starting to get crazy, and it's just going to be crazy for the next several months. But that's where a lot of my attention has gone lately. <laughs> it's just any updates on the cars. I mean, um, I know you put the video out, but I'm saying on the uh, on the engine swap, anything good? Oh, no, um, I haven't really heard anything yet. I, I did end up finding those, um, the head bolts that I was talking about, you know, being confused about. I got those in. I need to go drop those off to him. But no, I haven't heard anything. I I have a feeling it's one of those situations where I won't hear anything for a long time. And then all of a sudden it'll be like, hey, your motor's here. I need money. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of what I'm expecting. But no, I haven't heard anything. I haven't been out to work on the Gia. Uh, I went out last week one day. And... It was nice to, I was kind of like buttoning up things from the previous video, you know, like some filling some little tiny pinholes and grinding them back and just stuff like that, that it's not worth shooting. But so it was nice to go out there for, I don't know, three hours or so and not have to produce anything and not have to feel like I needed to get anything out of it, except saying like this little area right here is checked off. Like That one's just done and so that that felt kind of good and i don't know that i actually got any of them done done <laughs> but they're further along than they were so i'm hoping i can start to get out there uh we were talking jenny and i were talking about how to with as crazy as our life is getting and as busy as our schedules are becoming how do i dedicate some weekly time to the car whether it's being shot or not just you know i want to get out i don't want it to sit in the barn and just like fall apart and get ignored and stuff. And so I'm trying to figure out now around all of the soccer schedule and the practices and stuff, where's a time every week for the next several months where I can just be like, okay, I'm going to go drop people off at this time. And then I have two hours on the Carmagia until I have to pick those people up from practices. So we're trying to find little things like that, that I can put on the schedule and dedicate Tuesday night is Gia night or whatever. Um, Cause I really want to push it forward and, it, it, it would actually be cool if you did have a Tuesday night Gia night and then you, for a few weeks in a row, you just tuned in live just to fiddle around with what you were doing. I did think about that. Um, but I don't have internet out there. It's far enough out and we don't have a house on the property, so we can't get it. They won't put an internet connection there. Or I can't get them to, which is weird. Like, hey, I want to give you money for your services. No. <laughs> I have two. I have two okay. internet connections on this property for the here, this barn, and then one at the house because the two mm. far apart. They're about six hundred feet apart. Yeah, uh, it's weird because there's two houses really close to us, like in the next lots, and that both use Comcast, and I can't get Comcast to come out and put in a box for us. But so I did think about that, but we have trouble doing any kind of social media out there or anything we have to like shoot it and then save it till we get back to civilization um but anyway i think yeah that's that's pretty much what i've been up to may i ask our listeners for some some advice Mm -hmm. me the impala 
it when I first got it, it uh, it did this a couple times, but now it seems to be doing it a little bit more. If I am, I haven't looked it up, um, and so I, I guess I'm just looking for some free advice via Twitter. Uh, if I'm at a stop sign, and then if I go to take off, maybe slightly aggressively, not peel the tires, but it'll start to go, and then every once in a while, it'll it'll miss. It's almost like the engine shuts off for a second and then just picks right back up. Mm-hmm. There's, this, there's this weird jerk of the whole chassis just... Like you can just feel like the engine just miss. I'm not sure what that could be. Hmm. Could be the distributor or your spark plugs or might even yeah. be could even be gas too. Some fuel pump, a couple of hmm. things. Yeah. So it's everything. Just it's the it's, car. It's, 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 <laughs> tear it all out. Yeah. Could be any Yeah, a distributor cap was the first thing I thought of, but I, I don't really know. Hmm. <clears throat> um, Jimmy kind of had a topic that you thought. Um. Of. Yeah. You know what? Oh, and remind me. Uh, remind me by the end. I'll talk about the cows. But we'll talk about that at the end. I have four uh, cows now. Run around. I my can't field. wait to the end. <laughs> wow. You have cows. Uh, okay. Cool. But the subject came up, and it, it came up specifically because Dave held the tube up and said this tube got fatigued and caused the situation. I was like, fatigue. That's a great jumping off point for a conversation, the word fatigue. Now we can talk about physical fatigue, which we kind of cover from time to time, but fatigue as far as materials go and how in some cases that's obviously very, very bad. Like on the backhoe video, there's lots of bits and pieces that are fatigued because of flexing and bending and flexing and bending, but also exacerbated by being in the sun continuously. If you guys got a chance to see that video or if the listeners saw that video, there was a situation where, well, all the hoses are constantly being fatigued. So you got to watch out for pinholes and that stuff. And uh, I've learned from several, 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 several comments privately that said, be careful for a pinhole because it'll slice you in half. Because if there's a pinhole under the hydraulic pressure, you're you can get injected with hydraulic fluid. And the very first person to tell me that was Aaron. And I never realized that because I'm sitting there with a hose clamp and a piece of rubber and Aaron's like, don't even bother because it's under thousands of pounds of pressure. You need to have the hose rebuilt. And he was right. But he said, he goes, the bigger problem is if that fatigue cracks and then you happen to be standing there or if someone's standing there, that that jet could shoot pretty far and and inject your skin. So that's another thing. But on the backhoe, there's this big, giant rubber, flat rubber grommet that holds two hoses in a certain position so that they don't get caught in the mechanics of the machine. And that was fatigued and broken off. But also, knowing where a fatigue point is on a material is also important. So knowing when it's about to break, when you need to maybe replace it, or knowing why it broke, versus knowing that you could bend a piece of aluminum along a score line a bunch of times until it fatigues and snaps, or even a piece of metal. If you guys notice a lot of times, um, it's funny, whenever I'm around somebody, especially my brother has been around me a lot lately while I'm working, I always cut metal. And because I'm getting older, I don't like bending over and picking up the cutoff piece. So I always cut it right up until about a 16th of an inch. And then I put the, the grinder down and then I just break the piece off. So I don't have to bend down and pick it up. And Every single time I'm cutting something, my brother runs over to go grab it. And I'm like, and I just stop and I just gently grab it and fatigue the bend until it snaps off. And I hand it to him like, did you want this? <laughs> <laughs> but he's just trying to be helpful. But the, the idea is also knowing, knowing fatigue stresses in certain materials and knowing how you can use that to your advantage, such as not letting the piece fall to the ground because you know you'll be able to just a couple of twists and it breaks right off. Um, also knowing, for instance, like a rope or a cable, there's this really crazy video that I, I think I talked about back in the day. Uh, my buddy Brian Block has a video and we get posted where he built this re, he salvaged a crane and built it in his barn. So a gantry crane where you have oh yeah a big rolling frame on either side of the building, and then you have the gantry that goes across that. And then across that gantry, you have a rolling tackle, block and tackle, that has a bunch of cables that goes down to a hook. So you usually see them in steel mills. 
And Brian was moving a 30,000-pound drill press. This is a few years ago. If you look it up, it's called My Worst Shop Day Ever <laughs> because he was moving this 30,000-pound radial drill. It's like a milling machine that's also a drill. He took it up off his trailer, and he's using the remote controls of his gantry crane. And he takes it up off his trailer, and he's about to put it on the ground, and he's about 18 inches from the ground when one of the cables snaps due to fatigue. And the thing hits the ground from 18 inches. 30,000 pounds falling one inch is, is scary. It falls about 20 inches. Destroys his floor, of course, and then the machine gets pretty well damaged, but then he ends up fixing it over the next several videos. But that could have been could have been him. So he And he's a mechanical engineer with loads of experience, and he still got caught off guard by the fatigue. It was the, the cable snapped, primarily due to the fact that it was rusty hmm. and also fatigued. You know, a lot of machines and ropes and places, like, for instance, Derek, in his job, they, they pull cables, and he comes here all the time. He's like, here, take this rope. I'm like, it's a brand new rope. He's like, well, it's been used four times. You can't use it after, I mean, I'm just making a number mm, up. Maybe it's yeah. 10 times. You can't use it after 10 times because now it's fatigued. But it's perfectly good rope for just general purpose use. But you can't use it for what it's intended for on certain high-end situations because you don't want hmm. you know, $20,000 worth of wire stuck in the middle of a tube with a broken rope around it. Hmm. So just the idea of fatigue and being aware of it, that's just as a general subject. You guys yeah. have anything? Well, the first thing is I just searched up my worst shop day ever, and the first thing that comes up is David's video. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, David. So, that's funny. Uh, the one you were talking about is number two in the list, but I'll put a link to it. <laughs> yes, I'm number I, one. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, like, oddly enough, the melamine that I was talking about, I had to, when I was choosing to use that for this project, I had to think about the fatigue on that stuff. Because if you've ever put together a piece of... yeah. You with know, that, for instance, furniture. if you put too many screws along something and you go to move it, you could snap it along the screw line. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, or if you ever try to take a screw out of it and put it back in, like, yeah. nope, it just doesn't have It's like having a big, giant, expensive cracker, having a piece of melamine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that expensive. Big, heavy cracker. Well, if it's, just knowing that it's a cracker and that's that big and expensive. Yeah. You wouldn't expect to pay 80 bucks for a cracker. That's that's true. Four by eight. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've uh, we've run into some similar things on, um, gosh, like I'm wanting to think aluminum, where I've I've had something that just took a little bit of of uh, flex, like not enough that I would have thought it was a big deal. And I can't think of what th- this project was. It had a little bit of movement in it, and over time, that you know, when aluminum begins to flex, it'll kind of like crumble, like it. It, it doesn't shear, it, it kind of like... Cracks, cracks up. Cracks into little chunks. And I can't remember what this project was, but it had just enough movement that over the course of a year or six months or whatever it was, I started seeing that the edges begin to crack in these little chunk pieces. And I could tell that it was going to fail. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't think I've had a whole lot of instances where the material fatigue has has been evident like it may be there but i don't see it mm-hmm. i mean i guess other than my car you know that that happens over time um there was a case where i replaced the alternator on my land cruiser and on the back of the alternator there's a little post that sticks out on mine anyway there's a post that sticks out that you put the ground wire on and so mm-hmm. the ground wire comes out and has a little metal loop on the end of it and it goes over this post, then you put a nut over top of that and tighten it down. So when I did that, on, after I did this replacement, that little wire, the ground wire, the loop, the copper loop on the end of it, it's like a flat washer kind of thing. When I slid it on, I slid it on over accidentally touching something else around it. I don't remember what the deal was. So it was kind of bent a little bit. And then I tightened down this nut. Well, I didn't tighten the nut down quite enough. And so this little washer was able to just like two threads was able to slide back and forth on this post, still in contact. And the more it slid from the car, just driving normal, normal, you know, driving, it bounced around enough to where the copper began to crack, began to break away. So the ground wire 
was not grounded completely. You'd go over a bump and it would like separate and then it would come back together and then it would arc because it was the ground wire to the alternator. So there's like a lot going through there. And so every little bounce, this thing would separate and then come back together and arc, separate, come back together and arc. And eventually it arced itself. It welded the nut to the stud, which is not a big deal. It would still be connected, but then eventually that copper thing completely broke off. So I go down there. I'm having all this like electrical problem. I don't know what's going on with the battery. It's like, sometimes it's charged. Sometimes it's not. I go down and figure out that this nut is welded to the stud, uh, but you can't take that out. And then the ground wire, I couldn't put it on the end of the stud with another nut because it was broken off. It was just one of those things that the only problem, the only thing I did was not tighten that wire down enough and gave it a little bit of play so that it could eventually move just enough to start arcing and start cracking and, you know, it just was all bad. And I had to replace the alternator again. Yeah, it just goes to show you. Yeah. When I work with Patrick when it comes to electric, he checks, then he checks. And then he tightens everything down one more time. And then we're just about to close the cabinet. He checks everything one more time. And it's for that, that exact reason. And I've seen him, like, certain, there's certain situations where he knows tightness is important. Otherwise, it will arc. And when you have arcing in, a, in an electrical home or commercial situation, anytime you have arcing, you have heat. And then whenever you have heat, you have potential for fire. So that is, like, the number one cause for electrical fires is loose connections. Then in your case, I mean, you could have had a car fire potentially, but you ended up just having that weird arc that caused it to weld to itself. But yeah, that's, it's really important. Uh, there was a situation and I, I don't know the exact situation, but Patrick was called somewhere. There was a situation going on in one of the local hotels up here and Patrick was called to fix in an emergency. And he said he got to the main trough where the electric came into the service and because there was arcing, he said, and there was an event going on <clears throat> where there was arcing, everything was red hot. And there was still a party going on. He had to like shut the party off for like 20 minutes, but he prepared everything before he had to shut it off. But he said, because of that arcing, everything was welded together. Like he had to cut out main connections and reestablish them and, and make them. And uh, we had lots of leftover parts here for this building. So he, he called me, and I don't know where I was. I was out of town for a minute, but he called me and said, I just had one of the biggest emergencies in my career that, you know, I had to shut this party down. And he's joking. Remember that Remember that, that there was like a, a Russian guy that wasn't allowed in a party, and then he shows him like out in the woods, and he cuts the, the service to the party, and everyone stops dancing. Did you ever see that little meme that's going around? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, he sent me, he goes, this was me this weekend at this event. <laughs> but, was that Patrick in the backhoe video, figuring out the electric? No, that was my brother, Joey. That was oh, my okay. brother, Joseph, okay. who's been staying with me during the week. He's been helping me out up here. He's between gigs. He, he has like several different jobs, but he's between like day-to-day. He had like a day-to-day thing, which ended. His contract ended. So he's like, I'm free to do anything. I was like, come hang out with me. And he's a former Marine. And he also knows a lot. Of, when he was in the Marine Corps, he was an avionics technician. So he understands troubleshooting and stuff. So that, it's funny because that was the stall for me. I was fatigued to bring it back to the subject on the backhoe video because I didn't know much about that electrical stuff. I was waiting for Patrick to help me do it, but we just never really initiated it. And then when Joey first came up here, I was like, he goes, what do you need me to do? I was like, take apart that backhoe or at least go figure out why those wires don't work or if what's wrong. And I, I came, I walked away, I came back. He had the whole interior taken apart. He's like, oh, he's like, this is how you got to do it. And I'm glad because I wouldn't have done it. I would still be riding that thing around with, Dead mice bones floating into my nasal cavity. That's <laughs> funny. I was eating a bowl of cereal while watching that video. And I kept fa- fast forwarding through the, the, the dead mice parts. I was like, I don't want to watch this while, while eating. By the way, I'm doing, I'm, I'm preparing for a total boat video. I completely forgot. I had a busy day yesterday. And I'm, I'm preparing each one of those little mice and various bones for little resin cast blocks, which is a lot more oh. complicated than... That's awesome. You think it just, oh, you just pour it in the resin, and then the resin gets foamy on the dead body, and then you ruin a perfectly good <laughs> specimen. And Yeah, it's a great day. So, um, We've all been there. Yeah, yeah, I know, preparing, right? Preparing dead mice uh, resin mm. specimen blocks. It's another thing. 
But you know, there there is fatigue. Like my brother, now that my brothers are out, my brother's very regular. He goes to the bed exactly at about ten o'clock every night, and then he gets up at seven. And he's like, I don't know how you do it. He goes, You're going to kill yourself because you go to bed whenever, and you wake up at eight o'clock, seven o'clock every day. Because you always wake up at the same time. He goes, But who knows how much sleep you got? He, he was warning me yesterday morning. But I, I honestly feel five hours is exactly what I need because if I go to bed at midnight, I wake up at 5 a.m. If I go to sleep at 3 in the morning, I wake up at 8 a.m. It's just it, my body knows now I just need five hours of sleep. If I fall asleep at 10 o'clock at night, whatever, five hours later, this is when I wake up. Yeah. I mean, and, I, I know and I'm up. everybody's different, but I – like that wouldn't absolutely not work for me. And I was actually talking to Jenny recently about the last year or two, maybe I've realized that getting the same amount of sleep as I've gotten over the past 10 or 15 years is becoming not enough. Like I'm going to have to probably start to add in some sleep because I just, I do have that. And I I think it's just part of us getting older. You know, I, I just don't have the same. That being said, every once in a while I'll sleep in. You know, every once, yeah. every 10 days I'll sleep in and it'll be, it'll be good. But yeah. like if I have something tomorrow morning or if I have, like for instance, the podcast is something I usually have to make sure that I'm, well, because I have the dog, so I got to get up an hour early, take care of the dogs, or go do some chores, take care of the chickens and stuff. So podcast days, I have to be up and around by about 7, 7.30. So I do, I go backwards from there. So that means I have to be in bed by 2. If I'm not in bed by 2, I'm pushing it. And then I'm going to be drowsy. I mean, if I make it to midnight, I'm like... Ooh, look at me, young guy, uh-huh. <laughs> just staying up till midnight. <laughs> and uh, to me, it's just usually just organizing files and stuff. It's, I'm not usually hard working that late, just organizing clips. But, yeah, the I certainly do feel physical fatigue. And and then, you know, now lately, I, I, I usually ignore the warnings with the heat. There's been so much over-the-top heat. But I do keep a big jug of, a uh, big cooler of water. Always in the back of my car with ice cubes. In the morning when I get coffee, I get ice for my cooler. And in there I have water and seltzers. But I do, even though I don't feel I need to, just because there's so many warnings, they're like, you're going to get fatigued from the heat. I never got to that point where I was just like, uh, and collapse or feel like I was going to collapse. In fact, I don't think I ever fainted in my life in any situation. I never got there. But I guess I can sense where it's time to go take a break or go sit in the air conditioning. Hmm. And you know, I haven't pushed myself past that point. But thankfully, I don't have those type of situations at the moment. I don't have, like I'm not, this time last year I was working hard on the deck only because I just wanted to make sure it got done so I didn't have a half-done construction site in front of the house for five years. Two years is acceptable, but five years is just not acceptable. <laughs> We just got the porch poles in, by the way, for the porch. So I'm going to start working on getting the second video done or really just getting the porch done. Consequently, I'll have a second video done on the porch. Get these beautiful porch poles from Century Porch Poles, Canada. I think with the the fatigue thing, you know, we talked about material fatigue being any, uh, any repetition can, I think, cause that. And I think you can run into the same thing. The physical fatigue is one thing, but then there's also the fatigue of just doing the same thing over Mm -hmm. and over. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I found this with running. I've been a runner for a long time now. And it's not necessarily, if I get fatigued, it's not necessarily about not getting enough rest or taking enough breaks. It's about running the same path over and over and over for the same amount. Um, It just doesn't do the same thing for you. And I think eventually, and this I'm kind of at this place now where I'm about to start training for another half marathon, but I can't, I don't think I'm going to be successful if I just continue to do the same thing that I've been doing before. So for, for the first time in my entire running career, which is like 14, 15 years now, I'm looking at different ways to train for running. I'm doing speed work that I've never done before and trying just different stuff. Because I don't think that just doing the same is going to work the same as it used to because of that fatigue thing. I think the same thing goes with, you know, like making projects, making videos, that stuff that we do daily. If you continue to do the same thing, it wears you out and is not as productive in the long run, I think. I mean, so I'm definitely there with running. And I think I've been there a couple of times with video production and with with projects too. And I've adjusted to try to you know, change things. 
David, you got any thoughts on this stuff? Um, I mean, my my head is kind of in a fog because I don't really yeah. have a lot to add to. I think my my biggest fatigue is just mental fatigue from maybe dealing with projects not going the right way or 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 deadlines. And I don't I don't work very well when I'm when I'm stressed. I work I work great under deadlines, but when there's actual stress, I need to take a break and either take a nap or wait till the next day to do it. But I don't have a lot of experience with material fatigue breaking on me, at least not nothing that I can think of right now. Hmm. Another thing that I um, have run into there. Oh, I just lost my train of thought. I looked at a piece of paper on my desk and lost my train of thought. Brain fatigue. Completely. Brain yeah. fatigue. <clears throat> what, you, what did you just say? You said. Doesn't have any experience with materials. Oh man, I had something. I totally had something. I lost it. It was gone, gone. The mental fatigue, stress, mental fatigue. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. That's Taking what it was. Break. Yeah, one of the things that I've found recently that I've identified. I think I've always had this, but the one of the things I've identified is that if I have uh, too many things open ended in my brain, I think we've talked about this before. If I have too many things going that I don't actually spend time on. It's it's like it fills up all the buffer. And so I don't actually have the space to focus on any of those things. And then it's like this weird cycle where I'm just like overwhelmed with, well, I can't think about this and I can't think about this and I can't think about this because I have all three of those things to think about, which doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. But it it wears me out. Yeah, it's, and then it's I'm just frank. like Whoa. Yeah. And you so gotta, that's when I, that's when you gotta just say, Okay, for the next hour it's gonna be this subject. Right. Yeah, that's that's a habit that, or a uh, practice that I am not good at yet. Is is yeah. that sentence right there? That I'm really like, good. Okay, I'm gonna put the other things aside. Yeah, you are good at that. You can you can buckle down on one thing because to get it out of the honestly, way. there's nothing else you could do. You really because yeah. otherwise you'll just sit around just scrolling, and being like, I know I have to do six things, but I'm gonna just do this instead. And yeah. All right, you know what? Look at the clock. It's 2 o'clock. By 2.30, these three things are going to be done or at least going to be started. So I feel better about my... And I think uh, some of those things for me, there are things that I actually can't do anything about. But it's Mm -hmm. like I don't want to forget them or something. I don't want to... Like our backyard, right? Uh, This morning, I I thought about this because I I had the dogs in the backyard. Dogs are running around. And I'm just like looking around the yard going, oh, I'd like to eventually build a... Like we talked about building a shed for my wife to do her pottery out of. So we wanted to build like a little pottery studio shed thing right there. And I looked at that area and thought, yeah, that'd be cool one of these days. Well, but I can't really do that yet because of this and because of that. But I can't do that because of this. And I it, like it doesn't matter. I don't need to go down that path. I can't get that's like a five year down bed. the road plan. Yeah, I need to not worry about that. But I immediately went into this. Like, well, what is the one, how far back do I need to go until I can actually do something, until I can make a decision right now? And none of that stuff can be made decisions right now. But I still kind of spun on it for a while, just going like, well, I can't, but I can't, I can't, I, you know, and I need to get better about, well, let me just put that aside and like play with the dogs, enjoy like this moment right here, and then go find something that I can actually accomplish today that's right now and do that thing. And so I don't know that that's, fatigue related necessarily except that i i think i just get worn out with um not being able to take action on stuff you know and so yeah well any other thoughts on this well speaking of material just to wrap up on material fatigue if anybody's listening and you have pipes rubber hoses and crawl spaces and things you know that are dry rotting or Material situations that are relying upon the integrity of the material, like a leather hinge or something like that. Yeah, that's like a lot of it's really farm tech is to make a leather hinge for a door or something maybe even more consequential if it broke. Just go do a check. And it's funny, again, you know, certain practices that Aaron implemented here. Aaron would grease something and then write the date on it because when he was in the Marines, that was part of what he had to do. He would grease something and then have to check it on a certain date later. Be funny. I'd tear open like a 
a fall chain from Harbor Freight and I'd just throw all the material in the garbage and come back later and Aaron would be sifting through pulling out the documentation on it that I threw in the garbage. He'd be like, we should really save this and just check the maintenance schedule. I'm like, all right, whatever. If that's what you want to mm. do. I'll just use it till it <laughs> stops working and got another one. <laughs> like, there's no reason to do that. We can just oil it properly. I'm like, okay, okay, okay yeah. you win. So, you know, just do, just go around to your farm or your house or your apartment and just look at certain things that could be fatigued. Like, for instance, uh, the, the rubber magnet on the refrigerator. If your electric bill keeps going up and up, you might realize that like some of the rubber magnet on your refrigerator door is fatigued and broken off. And then you realize you have a leak up in the back. Cold air is just sifting out of your refrigerator. <laughs> That's a very specific example. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> Living in the city. And with a refrigerator, that probably had 13 tenants before I lived there. <laughs> the thing looked like a 1950 Cadillac. But, you know, it's uh, just simple things like that. It, it, or you could just wait until they break and then fix them. <laughs> yeah. did, did we talk about why my crawl space flooded? Or was that just... I think you told us? us, but I don't think we talked about it. I, well, I mentioned so, it. No, I said you had something in the beginning which led to this conversation. But talk about it, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I can, uh, I can post a photo of this on Twitter. The reason the crawl space flooded is because the previous owners terminated a line that went to an old dishwasher and they terminated the line with a piece of hose and some hose clamps and some sort of end cap. And it was a hack and it worked for so many years. And then the hose busted and uh, that put a foot of standing water in our crawl space. And it cost $280 to fix the plumbing and it cost $4,500 to clean up the mess. So uh, that hose fatigued and gave up. And it was, it, was a, it was a good, I didn't do it, but it was a good lesson learned that uh, sometimes hacks don't work. Yeah. Well, the, you know, these temporary hacks, a lot of times you do a temporary thing, you plug something with a cork that you find in the garbage and you go, oh, that works good. I'll get that later. And you get to it when you come home and your house has got a foot of water in it. Like, now's the time to get to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll just put a penny in the fuse box. Well, I'll, put, I'll fix it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> penny in the fuse box. I don't think that's a thing anymore, but I remember, you know, old houses and parents doing that. The round, With the round screw and fuses? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we had those in our last house in Savannah. And uh, it was one of those things where I, I called an electrician because I think I wanted to add a circuit or something. And so I called this electrician to come over and look at it. And I said, well, I know when we bought the house, they said that we would probably eventually have to replace this box, you know, with updated stuff. And he was like, well, I mean, if you don't touch it, <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> but if you want to do anything in here... <laughs> probably need to swap it out and i'm like well how about we just don't touch it because <laughs> it was a pretty big deal you know to completely pull out the box and and i think it was one yeah. of those deals like if we had taken out the box then he would have had to also pull some of the lines and replace the lines and it would have been kind of a you know downstream effect of other work and stuff so but i never never put a penny in it all right you guys got anything else on on this nothing on this but i'll tell you about my cows just to clear up a couple of things, everyone thinks I bought cows. And I put up that Instagram poster, the joking thing with the Spanish woman's like, how much you pay? And she's like, no, they gave it to me. But that, uh, I was joking. My neighbors have cows and they have 100 acres of, they're not really my neighbors, they're in the neighborhood. They said, hey, they're working on the house. They're doing the roof on the new barn. And they said, hey, since you have this big closed-in field now, any interest in letting us, our cows graze in your field? They're like, absolutely, bring them over. So they brought over four cows to graze in our field to eat our grass. And they're beef cows, so they will eventually become dinner somewhere somewhere in the world. But they're really cute, and the four of them hang out together side by side. And that's when I said, I go, what are their names? He goes, ah, well, we don't name the beef cows. We don't want to get emotionally attached. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, they're very cute. And they roam around the grass, and you come up, and my little dogs bark like nuts at them. They hate them. They're still trying to figure out what's going on out there. He's like, I never saw those type of machines. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know how to react to those machines. <laughs> so he gets a little neurotic. We haven't let him off the leash yet to see if he would go and play with them. So far, he's been staying on the leash when we bring him near the near the back. But that's why I have those cows, and they're cute, and they're also good for photo ops. And Taylor mm. really loves them. She's 
Taylor right away. She's like, she jumps over the fence and she runs right up. I'm like, could you please not get hit and bucked by a cow? She's like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Because <laughs> two of them are steers and two of them are, are so a steer is a boy with, with no uh, transmission and the two girls. So. Transmission. Gotcha. <laughs> so the, the steer with no transmission is a little less aggressive. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, there you go. Now everybody knows about the cows. That's it. Um, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters, and you guys can figure out something to recommend. I have mine, and you can't steal it. What? I got mine. You can't steal mine. I always have to go last, which means you guys have the opportunity to steal mine. Anyway, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Everybody over there that helps us out, we are super grateful, Uh, especially our top supporters, Corey Ward. Albert's Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Full Steam Designs, Scott Orem, Warren Works, Michael Menedjian, dang it, I, I still don't think I'm getting it right, Michael, Gretchen Hoffer, Hofer, Hoffer? Probably Hoffer. But there's a bunch Tomato? of other people. Tomato? Like, <laughs> potato? Like Randy Watson. Uh, there's a lot of other people that help us out over there, and we are grateful for all of them. They all get the after show, no matter what level they support at. So if you want to get the after show, you can give us a you know, dollar a show or whatever. Just go over to patreon.com slash making it. Join up. Help us out. Send us messages. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. We would appreciate Bob, it. Yes. If you want to go first, Bob, I have a backup in case I have the same one as you. Okay, good, because I don't. I appreciate that. <laughs> Our friend Jocko. Made a super cool flashlight. I was just I wrote that and on my list. Let's talk about Jocko's flashlight. We uh, have he's when I was in Italy four years ago, three years ago, three years ago. They were talking about the idea, and there was no prototype yet, I don't believe. And so we spent a long time at the table, uh, them explaining their idea and how it was going to work, and you know how some drawings and stuff. And so it's really awesome to see this. All this time later now, he has a Kickstarter that's very successful so far for this uh, pretty expensive but awesome flashlight. <clears throat> it's called the Dark Fade. And just like Jocko's other products, it's it's not intending to be the cheapest possible EDC flashlight. But that's not the point. Like, you can buy them cheaper. But it has some... Whoa, what was that? has some really cool features. Uh, it like, you know, you fade it as you turn, physically turn the thing and it, just go check it out. It's really, really cool. And um, I'm always proud and amazed by Jocko's work. So, Jocko. Uh, I'm going to recommend, I, I just happened to be suggested a video last night, which I thought was really cool. And Steve Ramsey on his Steve Ramsey Plus channel, it's from June. He talks about his 10 top, Tips for staying in shape for older men. And it was really good practical advice. And I commented underneath it. So go check that out. If you're like me, mid-50s, trying to lose that last 10 pounds. And Steve suggests I should, balding guys should shave their head and guys with gray beards should shave their beards. So those two things I'm not going to do, but thanks, Steve. No, but it was really good. That's assuming advice. if you want to look younger. Is that yeah, the, right, right. I want to look that? older. Yeah, but what, yeah. what's interesting is that Steve shared that he was considerably overweight and had zero concern for his health when he was in his 40s. Now, here it is 10 years later, he's healthier than he's ever been in his life because he made a shift and made a determined change to do better. Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was really good just to hear it said plainly. Hmm. Cool. David, what you got? Uh, Captain Disillusion. I started this video this morning and I'm only halfway through it, but uh, the video is called Music Video VFX Magic. And um, I just like the first 10 minutes is just kind of mind blowing of all the stuff that he does in there. I think we've mentioned him before. Maybe Bob has, but it's a super fun, good channel and uh, all about VFX Magic. And my backup, you don't have to put this in the show notes. We can make people go search themselves. My backup was Smarter Every Day and Smarter Every Day 2 with the tours of the Kodak facilities. Oh, yeah. Like, well, that was just, like a year ago, right? Uh, no. 
there's a um he had a part one okay and now now part two came out okay but also on smarter every day two there's like this tour that goes it's like an hour long super in depth and i was just engaged the entire time cool all right. And then my well, backup to my backup whoa. is the backyard scientists and how dangerous are potato guns. So that if you, if you want to go search for that, and look for that, you can you can find that. Cool. Lots of good videos this week. Right on. Um, well, I don't know if we have any secret stuff for the after show, but I'll try to think of something. Probably. Uh, oh, if you get sick, vapo cool. By Vicks, it's, it's a thor- sore throat spray. This thing saved my life. My the worst oh. thing about being sick this whole time was my sore throat. That was by far the biggest uh, thing I had to deal with. This stuff like numbs your throat instantly and also clears your nose. And it says to use just one squirt four times a day. I abused that, but it it <laughs> got me through this week. So, Vapor Cool by Vicks is um, uh, a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right Not sponsored by VapoRub. Yeah. <laughs> those, are, those are my five picks of the week. <laughs> five picks of the week. Excellent. All right, cool. Well, I hope you get feeling better, David. And hope you have Thank you. no more leaks yeah. at all anywhere <laughs> from anything. Yeah. It's everything is getting better now, so we're we're almost there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. A special shout out to Howard. I love you, Howard. <laughs>